Whoop. Get your sermon notes out. You ready for the word of God? Say amen. amen. Come Holy Spirit, use us today. Change our life. Help us as we share your word, as we receive your word. Uh, we're excited about what you're going to say into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we're, we're healing families, working with families. How many believe families are getting better? Anybody believe that? Anybody believe that? So uh, we've got a lot of work to do. We want homes and families to get better and better. Uh, I uh, want to continue in this teaching from the story of the Feast of Unleavened Bread uh, on cleaning house. Somebody shout, clean your house. It's time to house clean. I know that cleaning house can be tough. Somebody shout amen. amen. I thank God for my wife. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, but how many have kids in your house? How many know more kids, more dirt? Anybody know that? How many know that? All right. And uh, you can get used to it, right? Become acquainted to it. Or you can decide, you know, we're going to clean this. And then here's the other thing. How many have ever given your kids chores before? Have you ever done that? How many believe it's a good thing to do? How many kids think it's a terrible thing to do? Oh, yeah, I, I heard some amens there. I was. But uh, if, if you don't learn when you're young, you won't know how to clean it out when you're older. That will preach right there, okay? Now, this is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is a very odd kind of a feast because when you think of celebrations and festivals, you think uh, parties, you think uh, cake, you think ice cream. This is the opposite. This particular season after Passover is a season where all the unleavened bread is removed from the house. And you do not eat pastries. You do not eat cake. You eat nothing that will rise. You don't eat all of that. Uh, I taught you, yeast is a fungus, amen? <laughs> it's a fungus. And we know that in the Old Testament, it is directive. It's helping us to understand some things. Uh, specifically this, the yeast represents sin. And a little bit of sin causes the whole cake to rise. It puffs up your whole life. How many have experienced that in your life? Just a little bit. And so we've been cleaning out our house working diligently on, on this. And we talked about checking your attitude last week. How many know your attitude can be sin? Anybody know that? Amen? Amen. Shoot, I, I never got out of church. I heard people's attitude. I did. I didn't even get out the building. It, I, I want you to focus on this because God doesn't want you just to hear and be entertained. He wants your life to be changed. Amen? Amen. So... I'm going to talk about something I don't like to talk about today. I'm going to talk about the devil today. And uh, I'm going to talk about throwing the devil out of your house. How many think your house needs to be cleaned out of the devil? This is my favorite graphic right here. Okay, I love this, all right? Throwing the devil out. Now, don't be confused. Just because I made him look like he has horns and all of that, that's not what he really looks like, okay? Just so you know that. I know the theology behind that, but I, I kind of get a kick of making fun of him. So, um, uh, kick out. Uh, Luke chapter 10, 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, I, I want to teach this to you, and I want to be clear about it when I teach it, because one of the reasons is because there's a lot of things I don't like to do, and one of them is I don't like to give the enemy a lot of press. I don't like that, all right? I don't like to talk devil, devil, devil. One of the things that I don't do is I don't pray to the devil. I don't do that. I don't. You know, I, even if I'm telling, you know, but... Uh, I, you know, I was into this message and trying to get it, get it wrapped up, and uh, I began to think of my Aunt Josephine. 
Anybody got an Aunt Josephine besides me? I have an Aunt Josephine, all right? Aunt Josephine. Now, Aunt Josephine went on to be with the Lord a few years ago. But uh, Aunt Josephine visited here. Now, there's a very few of you that might remember when Aunt Josephine came to visit. Anybody remember my Aunt Josephine came to visit? A few of you remember, okay? Now, if you remember her, you know that she's an old-school, conservative, uh, Pentecostal woman. Got, anybody got a picture of her already? All right. Aunt Josephine has always wore a dress, okay? It always comes down to about right here. She does not wear short sleeves, long sleeves, and the dress comes all the way up to her neck, all right? She isn't going to expose nothing, all right? And her hair, all my life that I knew her, her hair was always piled up just about like this, all right? And uh, I would, I, I, we just loved it, you know? And it came from her history, the way that she grew up. Before she passed away, a couple of years before she passed away, I sat with her and talked about legalism and some issues. And she was right on the page with me. Yeah, saved by grace through faith in Jesus. But Ricky, this is, this is how mama and daddy were. And this is how I've grown up. And I just haven't seen any reason for me to do anything else. How many believe it's, if that's her style, it's okay? Anybody believe that? So never have I seen her wear makeup. Never she wore earrings. I mean, I mean, it just, I mean, it, it was tough for her to wear a wedding band. That's how, how tough it was for her. But what a good and a godly and a loving woman. Oh, my sweet Aunt Josephine. And something else, she could sing. I'm telling you, Aunt Josephine, it was bluegrass, but she could sing. How many, how many love country songs? Anybody love country? I'm, no, I'm talking to somebody. I don't like country. Get, get off your high horse just for a minute, all right? I'm talking about my Aunt Josephine right now. So, uh, so it's, been, it's been a decade since she had visited here. But the last time she was here, she sang this particular song. So I have a recording of it, but better than a recording would be me singing bluegrass to you. All right? The song is called... Get on out of here, Satan. Say it. Get on out of here, Satan. Oh, come on. Have a good time. Say it. Get on out of here, Satan. Now, come on. Go country with me just for a minute. Come on, country. Get on out of here, Satan. All right. Now listen to me, Satan. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. You walked on me long enough. Now I'm going to walk on you. I said, get on out of here, Satan. You've had me bound way too long. I'm going to raise my hands toward heaven and sing a happy song. Anybody like this already? Now, if you're one of God's children and you're tired of being bound, just raise your hands toward heaven. He'll pour a blessing down. I'm tired of you, Satan. You had me bound way too long. Mm. I'm going to raise my hands to heaven gonna sing a happy song come on in josephine been down in a valley been up on the mountaintop i'm looking for a city and lord i just can't stop oh i'm tired of you satan you've had me bound way too long i'm gonna raise my hands toward heaven and sing a happy song if i want one more verse better encourage me listen to me satan let me tell you what i'm gonna do you walked on me long enough i'm gonna walk on you i said get on out of here satan 
You've had me bound way too long. I'm gonna raise my hands toward heaven and sing a happy song. <laughs> get on out of here, Satan. Say, get on out of here, Satan. Thank you, Van, for hanging out with me. I learned via Barna Research. Uh, they research American Christians, and here is the st- statistic, the problem, that only 60% of Christians believe that there is a Satan. Only 60%. Did you hear that? I would probably restate that a little bit myself I'd simply say that only that about 60% of people who say they are Christians probably are not amen he said don't be judging me pastor I'm not judging I'm calling you to the word of God how many believe you need to believe the word of God anybody believe that just said I need to believe God's word uh I think it's, it's kind of crazy, you know, I have, um, I have pastored and worked in this thing long enough and had my eyes opened to see the direct impact of the enemy upon lives. I have seen the enemy destroy marriages, families, children, communities, and nations. Anybody know what I'm saying? And I have seen the work of the enemy. I would also suggest that the enemy greatly appreciates the reality that so many people do not believe he exists. Because as long as you don't believe he exists, he has the ability to, with stealth, move freely in your life. Ooh, Jesus. He's left a bunch of mess in our lives and in our homes. Let me just give you some scriptures just so you know that I'm telling you the truth. How many believe the word of God is true? Anybody believe the word of God is true? 1 Peter 5 and 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So what does the scripture say? That there is a devil and he goes about trying to devour people. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Jesus was tempted by the devil. He wasn't having like some kind of weird vision. No, no. He was literally being tempted by the devil. And uh, Ephesians chapter 6, Paul writes, we should put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. One of the wiles of the devil is to make you think that he's not there. All right? And, and then he says this, you're wrestling. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Listen, listen. You say, I'm really struggling with my wife. Well, if you would deal, if you get the devil out of your house, okay, I am. But if I did, there'd be alimony to pay. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Somebody actually posted that on my Facebook with, you know, some other language. I just deleted their remark, but... I realize that is the confusion. Yeah, I get her out. I get him out. That's, that's not what I'm talking about here. 
A lot of your problems would be gone if you would get the devil out. Right? I'm going to explain this. Jesus says in John 8, 44, he was talking. This, this is an incredible story. I mean, if you just go back in John 8 and read how they get to this particular place, the miracles, the power of Jesus. And, and Jesus looks at some Pharisees and he says this to them. You are of your father, the devil. What? Your will is to do the father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. Okay, they wanted to kill Jesus. You know that, right? Uh, your father was a murderer from the beginning. If you go back to the beginning, the first murderer was Cain, right? And so go back to the beginning. Your father was a murderer, and I like to kill somebody. You need to get the devil out of your house, all right? And uh, he was a murderer and does not stand in the truth. Now, you need to circle that probably. I'll come back to this. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. Another version says, when he lies, he speaks his own native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So God's word certainly speaks a lot about him, doesn't it? For him not to exist. So I'm going to use the term devil, but there's several terms that define our, our spiritual enemy. Uh, one is Lucifer, another is Satan. Lucifer, light bearer, the purveyor of pride. If you haven't read some of the scriptures, uh, there, there's, there's a great deal of scripture regarding his history and how he began, that he was in heaven, that uh, he was uh, a, a, an angel of worship, that the scripture says it like this, his tabrets and pipes were created, were, were in him in the day he was created, uh, musical, vocal, Wisdom, you say, well, I'm going to outsmart the devil. Stop trying to outsmart the devil. You need authority over the enemy, okay? He's a mighty foe. Uh, and the purveyor of pride, he becomes puffed up in himself. So talk about un unleavened bread. Uh, he became puffed up and wanted to be worshipped. And so when Jesus says, I saw Satan like lightning uh, being kicked out of heaven, it's because that's what happened. He got kicked out. And a third of the angelic host goes with him. Uh, so that's what the word Lucifer means. He's also called Satan, which is accuser, slanderer, the enemy of God's word. Slander. Have you said that? Have you, how many have ever been slandered before? I have. Anybody ever been slandered? Okay, so I know you're upset with the individual, but the individual was just speaking the language of their father, who is a slanderer, okay? You need to be cautious. Don't, don't in your gossip end up exaggerating. Don't, just don't gossip, okay? But... Uh, understand that uh, the enemy would like you to slander one another and cause division, right? And so uh, he is a slanderer, but specifically he is the enemy of God's word. So he will twist what God's word has to say in order to destroy your life, destroy your home. We're using the term devil, the devil meaning deceiver and liar, okay? Uh, even though I like my picture... Uh, you know, I, I, you kind of get the idea that he's kind of like this little gremlin kind of creature and, you know, uh, something out of a weird movie. He's not, uh, but uh, the word devil means deceiver and liar. So uh, John eight forty four speaks clearly, and, and that's what Jesus calls him. He calls him the devil. Now, I was, uh, I was on Facebook the other day, and somebody, Kel Smith, had posted... This statement, oh, there you are. Uh, and it was about uh, 
I can't remember exactly what the wording was, but something like, uh, what did you get whooped for, spanked for uh, in, in your black family? Is that what it was? Something like that, all right? And people were just putting all kinds of stuff up there, the things they got spanked for. And uh, by the time I finished reading it all, I decided evidently my mom and daddy were black. Because <laughs> I did not realize it. Because I, I was, check that, check that, check that, like a DNA test or something. <laughs> the worst spanking I ever got, I remember as a little boy. I didn't get a lot of them, but when it, but when, and listen, I'm not telling you to go home, let me just qualify this. So I'm going to go home and spank my kids right now. Hold off, Okay. I want you to talk to your children. I want you to bless your children. I want you to raise your children right, okay? You know, my daddy could have spanked me a little less. I'm just telling you, all right? Uh, I survived. I'm okay, all right? But uh, that's not, you say, I'm just going to spank them and get this over. That's not the first thing to do, all right? All right? But they will not die, okay? <laughs> they might live. Anyway, uh, where was I? Worst spanking I got was for drawing a picture on the stairway wall with a pencil. I figured I was an artist. Renee was an artist. I should have been able to do that. So I drew a picture. I, I was beginning. That's right. See? All right. Where are my artist buddies in here? There we go. I got some. All right. So I, it was a station wagon, and it was all stick figures. It was a family portrait is what I drew. It was beautiful. I was proud of it, but I knew I was not supposed to draw on the wall. And so... Uh, somebody saw it because there was only one stairwell and uh, dad knew it was me because I was five, probably six years old and uh, my brother's two or three years older than me so they probably knew better uh, and drew differently but uh, so it was not the, the drawing that I got in trouble for it was that he investigated and I denied that I did it I'm not whooping you because of the drawing. I'm whooping you because you lied to me. Now, I, I want to tell you that for me, here I am at this point in my life, and I still remember that moment. Jesus. I still remember when Dad told me, Son, if you'll tell me the truth, I'll stand by you no matter what you do. Anybody like that? Now, I, uh, I'm telling you this because why would my father think this is so important? Because deception is the language of the enemy. And in your home, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your relationship with the church, how many know the enemy, if you just open your eyes, the enemy gets into all of these things. He's been in your home, he's been in your marriage, he's been in your relationships, he gets involved in stuff right here, am I right? He will, he will divide and destroy communities. Here's what the devil does. He uses every bad thing that ever happens in your life and lies about it. He'll use all of those things as an opportunity to tell you that God is not good or that God is not real. Every time you can't pay a bill, anybody ever had this? You can't pay a bill. Well, if God's so good, you wouldn't be in this situation Every time there's a problem, every time a person hurts you, every time uh, someone dies prematurely or something happens to a loved one that we don't understand, negative experiences. I, I know an individual who attended this church uh, 
uh, 15 years ago when my mother died who does not come here now because she believed God should have healed my mother. My mother's in heaven with Jesus right now. She don't want to be here. Negative experiences are the enemy's prime opportunity to tell us that God doesn't love us and we can't count on God. How many have ever had the enemy try to lie to you that way? Wave at me. I'm just taking a toll. How many? Well, you know, God's not there. You wouldn't be in this situation. So uh, if we have authority over the enemy, right? But we need to recognize lies. If you look into your life, into your home, you're going to begin to recognize that the devil needs to be thrown out. And, and, and again, I'm not talking about your wife or your husband. I'm saying the devil needs to be thrown out. And when you take authority, you need to look around the house and see all the stuff that he left laying around. Now, now watch this. The enemy is quite good at lying. Quite good at lying. He is so good. Satan is so good that the first story in the Bible... He convinces two people that are living in paradise that God is not good. Think about that. Adam and Eve. You know the story? How he comes in and stealthily begins to say things. He says, God indeed say you shall not eat of every tree in the garden. And the woman uh, said to the serpent, the woman uh, said to the serpent, uh, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Now, now stop, stop. I, I love this story for a few reasons, but let me, let me toss this at you. Um, this, this is so uh, prevalent, Okay? Uh, how many would agree that in our culture there are things that people do simply because the serpent has told them that's not wrong. It's just a tree. Because Come on, you see a tree and it has good fruit on it, right? That looks like something that I could eat. So why should I not just have some of that? Well, this is what God's Word says. God's Word. He said, well, they didn't have a Bible. Yeah, they did. They walked with God, and God's Word was simply this. Don't eat of that tree. Well, I need a list of reasons. No, I only need one reason, and that is that God said... It's powerful scripture. It's powerful. You know some of these things, don't you? You know something. How many, how many have ever been tempted to do that which seemingly was okay, even though you knew it was not God's word? Okay. Again, now, now look, look how cunning Satan is here in this teaching. In verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. This is after they ate of the tree. Then they hear the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Look at this next line. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Who? I don't know if you hear this. I don't know if you... Listen. Who told you that, who told you, that you were naked? Let, let me help you with that. 
God is asking a question that Adam didn't have the answer to. Who focused your eyes on nudity? Is that getting more clear now? Who focused your eyes in this particular way? Here's what God is saying. You know that serpent that you were talking to? As soon as you listened to him and sinned, you gave him, you gave him an opening in your life. And, and watch this. The lying devil uses the opening to whisper something into the spirits of Adam and Eve. He says, now that, now that you've eaten the, the sinful tree, now that you're ashamed, they're ashamed, now they are going to be consumed with sexuality and hide themselves. They're dealing with nakedness. They are now consumed with it. What do we need to do? We've got to get ourselves some fig leaves. And we need, it's, we're not going to be able to cover it well, but we're going to get some fig leaves and try to sew those bad boys together and cover certain parts of our body. Somehow they got the message, I wonder from whom, that they are now sexually defective. I am going to preach this. You better stay right in the room with me. Somebody shout, Satan is a liar. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. You're all worried. Listen, we get, how many know we get worried about everything? Okay, we're all worried, 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 tense about everything. Like, we're all worried about how the Russians uh, impacted the election on Facebook. But totally oblivious to what Satan has done in our house. Come on. Somebody ought to said Amen. Listen, I'm tired of being subtle myself. Sometimes he lies to me and gets me to believe if I will tone everything down, I can help you more. If I can speak the truth, let's speak it in a certain kind of language so that you can hear it, but you don't have to obey it, then it will be better. Satan loves to control us. Amen? Amen. How many know Satan lies to control our sexuality? He loves to control your sexuality. God made us to be male and female. Come on. Amen. He created us to be male or female, not male-ish. Come on, not female-ish or trans or bi or pan or Q or whatever you happen to, to be. Listen, I'm, and I'm not busting on you. I love you. If you're struggling in this area, don't get the wrong. You read, oh, they're hating me. No, I love you. I know you're in struggle. But I want you to begin. You have to begin. If you want to be free, you have to begin by accepting God's word. As long as you believe a lie, you will not have transition. We had to begin right there. Here's what God's word says. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created. Because whoever controls your sexuality controls you for generations to come. Okay? Whoever controls your sexuality, he's not just controlling you. He's controlling your children and your children's children. Come on. He's sending a lie, right? So, Satan says, God didn't make you male and female. And then he throws shame at you. And then what do I try to do? Cover it up. And causes us throughout generations to begin to look at one another in disastrous ways. Rather than have you deal with your sin and conviction in the presence of God. What I'm saying is some of you think, some of you think that what our culture is dealing with is new. It's not. This is not a new thing. 
He's dealing with the. He's been dealing with this for years. It's not the only lie. Okay, Satan has marketed numerous lies in our culture regarding sex in order to control and curse generations. Here's a sampling. One, sex has nothing to do with covenant marriage. That's a lie. Sex is the natural endpoint of love. That's a lie. Sex is recreational. That's a lie. Sexual freedom is what your life is missing. Somebody shout. That's a, that's a lie. Okay? Come on. Pay attention to the presentation of sex in our culture, whether in fictional stories or in real-life circumstances, and you'll see the idea of covenant marriage is entirely absent from the presentation. If you listen, if you listen to a lie long enough, it will become your truth. Sex is the natural endpoint of love, and it's in quotation marks because even in our culture, the definition of love is different from the Bible's. Many movies, television shows depict two characters. They fell in love. How do you know? Because they're sleeping together. That it's recreational. And it's a lie. Satan has also convinced our culture that sex need not be tied to love at all. Sex could be something just two humans do because they're attracted or they want to have fun. You don't even need to know your partner. Somebody shout, it's a lie. And, and, and we see it in all forms of entertainment. You'd be happier enjoying sexual freedom in this world. It's a lie. Are you married? You'd be happier experiencing sex with someone else other than the one you're married to. That's a lie. After all, look at all the attractive men and women in the world who aren't tied to these antiquated ideas. It's a lie. But the devil is subtle. Amen? Amen. And these lies get into our homes and our families. And listen, it's heavily into the entertainment industry. It's not just a little bit into the entertainment industry. You know, like sweet Katy Perry grew up in church. You know she did. Singing worship songs. She became famous by singing a song called I Kissed a Girl and I Like It. It sounds funny. But it's devastating. Can I get an amen from someone? It's devastating. You say, well, why is it devastating? Because now we're, we're so confused in our culture that we have young women who are just confused because what do I like? What do I not like? What, how do I define myself? Does my sexuality define myself? It's so confusing. And our children and our children's children are now so broken because of a subtle lie. We've lost our sender. Our sender is the word of God. We need to kick the devil out of our homes by bringing the word of God into our homes. God is saying you've been deviled and you don't know it. Folks, we've got to know how to throw the devil out. His lies are obvious and comprehensible when you know the word of God. Lies in your marriage. Your happiness is more important than your home. Lie. You're not in love anymore. It's a lie. The word of God says, listen, love is patient. Love is kind. Love never fails. Amen? I'm in love. I'm kind. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. Jesus, Jesus. How about my private immorality does not affect 
others in my life. Life. It's a lie. It's a lie. Yeah. A lot of people think, I can view pornography in the privacy of my home. It's just me and my magazine or computer. It doesn't affect my marriage. Come on. The oneness in your marriage is hijacked by immorality. Okay? So it was just a club I went to. You were having a sexual experience. You just committed adultery. Preach, Pastor Rick. I know, Pastor, this is a PG-rated sermon. No, really, it's a, it's a W-O-G, Word of God-related. Okay, anyway, rated sermon. 1 Corinthians 6.15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? <laughs> Come on. 1 Corinthians 6 and 18, flee immorality. Here's another one. Lie number four. I can never forgive the sin of my spouse. Somebody shout, that's a lie. It's a lie. It's another lie of the devil. Romans 8.32 uh, speaks of, uh, I'm, I'm moving too fast. Let me back up. I can never forgive the sin of my spouse. I want to hang there. Colossians 3.13. Forgive one another just as God in Christ has forgiven us. How many believe Jesus will forgive you? How many have been forgiven for some serious stuff? Wave your hand, okay? Come on. He forgave a thief and a murderer on the cross. How many know he can forgive you? Somebody praise God. Lie number five. Breaking my marriage covenant won't hurt me or my children. Somebody shout, that's a lie. Okay. I'm just, I'm just, if, if any of these hit you, just write it down and say, that's a lie that I've been believing. Just write it down. Uh, here's another lie. God doesn't care about your suffering. It's a lie. Romans 8, 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He cares. Here's some other favorite lies of the enemy. It's all right. It's all right. Uh, God can't use you if you have a weakness. That's a lie. Another lie. You should give up if you constantly struggle with sin. That's a... God's promises are for other people, not you. That's a... God is always mad at you. That's a... Your past mistakes have disqualified you for the kingdom. Shout it. That's a lie. Okay. That's pretty good, isn't it? So I want to show you how to throw the devil out of your house. And uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3... For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down strongholds are arguments, high things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So uh, here's the things that we can see. There's so much I want to share here, but... In this scripture, I mean, there's somewhat of an order that you can see in dealing with lies, dealing with false beliefs. First of all, you need to welcome the Holy Spirit into your heart. Somebody say, welcome Holy Spirit. And then you need to compare every thought to God's word. Compare every thought, every thought to God's word. Confess your thoughts to a trusted believer. How many believe you need to talk to each other? This is what I've been believing. And then... Confess it as a lie and repent of it before the Lord and replace that lie with the truth. Because here's the reality. Any thought that you have not taken captive already has you captive. Ooh. Any thought that you have not taken captive already has you captive. So I'm just leaving this. I ain't going to deal with that. I don't have the answer. 
Come on. Dig in. Deal with the word of God. So I, I, I want to show you this. Let me show you a few more scriptures that are going to help you. John 8, 32. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. John 17, 17. Jesus says, sanctify them by my words. My word is truth. John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. How many believe God's word is true? Okay, so I want to show you how this looks. So I need a few brothers to come and stand up here with me so I can show you how this looks. Can I get a few brothers? At least three. Okay, time is ticking. All right. There you go, Kel. I'm going to put this on myself. Okay. And uh, I've got two brothers. Got three brothers. Okay. Hang on to that. Pull it over there. Pull way over there. Just keep walking. Keep on walking. Grab that rope right there. Here. There you go. Put that one on my arm too. Now go over there. Just go over there and stand there. Okay. All right. All right. All right. You're a lie. And your lie is, I can't forgive my spouse. Okay? That lie has me under control. What's, what's the lie? Hey, wait, 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 wait. I really, need to, I really need to get my marriage right. And she hurt me. So I'm going to go forgive her. I'm going to go forgive her. I'm going to go, no, no. You're going to let me go forgive her? What, what, are, you, what, are, you, what are you saying? Now, I want to go forgive her. Why don't you let go of me? I can forgive her if I want to. I can't forgive my spouse. Is what? Okay. And that lie has me under. Yeah. And, and you are. Uh, you are. God doesn't care about my suffering. All right. God doesn't care about my suffering. How many have ever felt that way? He doesn't answer my prayers and he doesn't care. Anybody ever felt that way? So uh, I really need to call on the Lord. I want to pray and ask God I need healing in my life. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to go pray now. Hey, what? What? Yes, it real loud. God doesn't care about my suffering? He doesn't care about what's going on in my life? Say it real loud again. Okay, don't say it loud because sometimes he just whispers it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go pray. I'm going to go up front at prayer time. I'm going to have the altar workers anoint me and pray a prayer of faith for me. I'm going to go and I start to get up. And what do you do? Oh, man. I'm suffering. I'm hurting so bad. I'm going to go talk to my wife. I guess go reconcile with my wife. What? 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 What do you say? What do you say? I can't forgive my wife. can't forgive my wife. I'm not with her and I'm suffering, though. I'm going to pray. God, help me. Okay, all right, this is weird. Okay. Anybody see the lies controlling me now? And see how uncomfortable I am? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, here's another one. So, I can't talk to her. I can't talk to God. What am I going to do with all the pain and the mess that's going on in my life? I need a distraction. I think maybe I'll go talk to some other wife. Maybe I'll just watch something I shouldn't be watching right now. I shouldn't. I just don't feel like that's right. But there's another lie. It's, I can be a Christian and still live an immoral life. Hey, you can be a Christian and still live an immoral life. Come on. <laughs> Anybody see that? How many have ever heard that lie before? 
recently. Now, I'm, look, okay, if I, if I can't do this, I'm going to reconcile with my wife. Why? Why? I want to forgive her. That's why I, I, I can't forgive my wife. Okay, now I'm suffering. What? What am I going to do? I've got to get my head out of this. I think I'll... It's okay. You grace covered it all. Grace covered it all? <laughs> Come on. All right. So how many have ever lived your lives like this? Come on. Watch, watch me. I'm trying to pray. I'm trying to reconcile. I decide I'm, I'm going to get things right. I'm not going to do this. What am I going to do about my distractions? And, I, you know, these are just some things. How many know it's more than this? But how many know this will destroy a home? So who's destroying my home? The lies of the enemy that I have not, now you got to get this, I have not taken captive. What did I say a minute ago? I want to say that again. Any thought that you do not take captive already has you captive. So basically what I'm going to have to do is deal with you. I'm going to have to deal with you, I'm going to have to deal with you, and I'm going to have to deal with you. Now here, not you. There's another lie right there. Okay. Now watch, watch. So then I start saying things like this. I rebuke you, Satan. Get out of my life. Okay. Okay. You see that? I rebuke you, devil. How many have ever been here before? You rebuked the devil and you still had lies in your life. Jesus, I'm trying to preach this. How many know that it's good to rebuke the enemy? Anybody know it's good to rebuke the enemy? But rebuking the enemy is not just yelling, Say, get out of here! You're going to have to get serious about it. And the way that we deal with, for instance, okay? What was that lie again? Okay. See, the Word of God says... um, Forgive others their trespasses just as I have forgiven you. That's what the Word of God says. The Word of God says, and then the Scripture also says in Colossians, that I should forgive one another. We should forgive one another just as Christ has forgiven me. So, so uh, come on. Come on. Rather than... Now, some would say, I, here's what I'm not going to do. I am not setting you free. What I'm going to do... I'm going to tie you up. Okay? I'm going to tie you up, and I'm going to put you over here in jail of my life. Because I need to keep an eye on him. And I'm going to forgive. See? I know that because I read the word of God, and I've heard that lie before. But now he's in my prison. That means I'm in control of that lie. You see? If I don't, the prison is, I have imprisoned you by the power of the word of God. You see this? And what were you saying? Okay. But I said, God's word says that God loves me. And that nothing can separate me from the love of God. And that he sent 
his word to heal my disease. And if I have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, I can speak to a mountain that's in my way and tell it to be removed and it will be cast into the sea. And I also heard that if he did not spare his own son, will he not also freely give me all things? See, what I'm doing now is I'm tying you up as well. And then I'm going to go back and watch my pornography. And then I read the word of God. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? And then I read the word of God in Romans. It says, how can you believe that if I continue to sin that grace will abound? God forbid. How can those who have been saved live any longer therein in the sin? Anybody hear what I'm saying? And while I'm saying that, I'm tying you up too, brother. And now I've got, I've got lies in prison and now I can use those lies because I know the word of God and I see my children hear those lies and I say, let me tell you, come on, come here, let me tell you how the enemy tried to destroy my marriage and my home. This was the lie that the enemy tried to destroy me with. Anybody hear that? This is what he, and this is what he did. And I called him a liar. And this is what the word of God says. And now I'm set free. Okay, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Let's see it for my liars. Right. How many have a picture? Do you have a picture? What do I need to do with every lie? And how do I capture it with what? So I don't know all the word of God. You need to stop reading a Bible verse every day. And start reading the Bible. And then hide your word. This is what David says. I will hide his word in my heart that I may not sin against God. I, I am so busy filling my, filling my heart with the word of God. Do you hear me? So busy filling my heart with the word of God that there is no room for the lies of the devil. Okay. I'm finished. I'm going I'm to tell you these stories and as you're standing. Would you stand with me? Prayer workers, come and stand. Everybody stay with me. I, got, I, I haven't finished this. I just want you to stand while I finish. Last, last week I had a dream. And it was a, it was a strange dream. I, I enjoyed it, but in the dream I didn't enjoy it. And um, here's what happened, Okay. I was in my dream praying for a young man. I didn't recognize the young man. I only recognized all of his pain and all of the things that he needed healed and help from. And he was very broken and I was praying for him. And I felt the Holy Spirit come alongside of me. I felt, anybody know what I'm saying? Does it make sense to anybody? felt the Holy Spirit come alongside of me and help me as I was praying for this young man. Help me, Jesus. So I, as I prayed, I could hear the Holy Spirit leading me and sharing the word of God to him. And, and I could see the deliverance taking place. I could see his healing. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, You are the young man. 
and I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like it because I prefer to consider myself above all of that, you know. Lies and brokenness. After all, I'm the pastor of the church. And I felt that, and then I heard a song. In my dream, a song came. Anybody ever heard a song in your dream? I hadn't heard the song in a long time. Uh, in fact, I don't believe I'd heard it since 2016. Felicia had come and sang it. She didn't record it, but uh, the song is, Our Champion Will Fight For Us. Anybody ever heard that song before? Our champion will fight for us. And the song just started kicking in my heart. And I realized that I wasn't the only one destroying the lies that were in that young man's life. But if I would pause and listen to the Holy Spirit, that he would fight on my behalf. He already fought when Jesus went to the cross and disarmed the enemy and took his power and took his authority. But now he literally brings things to my remembrance. Some of you say, I'll never get over the sin. I'll never overcome this brokenness. But the Holy Spirit says, I'll fight for you. I'll give word to you. I'll encourage you. I'll speak truth to you even when you are holding on to a lie. Anybody need that word? Anybody need that? Because I know, I know my family. There are some of you that do not want to overcome your lie. It's a lie. Am I right? Am I telling the truth? I just don't want to because that would change my world. And I'm telling you, yes, it will. It will glorify God and release the blessings of heaven into your life. Somebody who's experienced it, say amen with me. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. I rebuke the power of the enemy in this room. I release the blessings of the Holy Spirit in order to set people free from lies that they have held on to for years. I come against the subtle words of the enemy that are in your mind, that are in your thought. I come at thoughts, I come against them in the name of Jesus. And I renew the power of God's word in your mind. Pray for my altar workers today. Holy Spirit, rest upon them. Let them hear your word very clearly as they prepare to minister to others, knowing that if we know the truth, the truth will set people free. Somebody say it. The truth will set people free. Jesus. Let me give this one more scripture. While you're standing there in prayer, just close your eyes. Let me speak this. I used this last week. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and He will flee from you. Draw near to God and He will draw nigh to you. And then He says this. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. All right. I've been holding on to some things. I'm going to wash my hands. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Give my mind to you. I'm not going to think both ways. Lament and mourn and weep. God, I'm sorry. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. I'm sorry, dear God. I, I know the truth. And he says again, humble yourselves. In the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Take you back to our theme scripture for this message, Luke 10, 18. 
the disciples came back and said, we found that even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He's already been kicked out. I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Praise you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Come, Holy. Come on, let's say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. People do not understand the level of warfare I have called us to right now. But in the name of Jesus, not only have we told the enemy that he has no voice in this room, but in the name of Jesus, we release the power of the Holy Spirit to set you free in every relationship, that he would set you free from every lie, from every deception, in the name of Jesus. Close your eyes, close your eyes. If you have been tormented by lies of the enemy and you want to be set free, wave at me now and say, Pastor Rick, that's for me. I have been tormented for too long and I want to be set free. Wave, wave at me, wave at me, wave at me. Now, some of you may need to do this as a husband and wife. Some of you are single, but I want you to do this. I want you to get bold. I want you to get ready to confront I want you to know that the enemy is as a roaring lion trying to devour you. And enough is enough today. I want you to come repentantly. I want you to come in confession and be ready to be set free. If you need to give your life to Jesus, I want you also to come and be ready to pray. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. Lord Jesus, I confess that you are the Lord, that I have sinned. And I believe in my heart that, you, that God raised you from the dead. Come into my life, Holy Spirit. All right, are you ready? You've lifted your hand. This is open confession. Are you ready? Once you start moving towards the altar and standing before some of these altar workers, I know that there'll be more that need prayer than we have prayer workers, but I want you to come and stack this altar. We're going we're gonna to have people to pray with you. Come, come swiftly, come swiftly, come swiftly. I will call upon you, Lord. Oh, squeeze right on around. Squeeze right around. Tighten it up. Just keep coming and get tight, get tight, get tight with people. Get tight, get tight. Just come and get tight, get tight. We'll get to you. We're going to pray for everyone. We're going to pray for everyone. We're going to lay hands on everybody. Come on, come on. Come on, squeeze all the way up. You can even move chairs back, whatever you have to do. Come on, come on, come on. We're gonna every altar, we're going to need every altar. We're going to every prayer minister, every elder, every leader. I'm going to need you. Every leader has been trained in some way. Come and get ready to lay hands on people. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. You're the one. Now, everyone else in the room, I want you to join hands and make some small circles, and I want you to do a couple of things. One, I want you to confess in that circle. I want you to say, this is how the Word of God impacted my life today. This is what really impacted me. Just get in a circle. And then I want you to pray for one another. And I want you to know, and I'm going to do this as we close, all right? As we pray here and as we pray in, this, in the community, I'm going to play the song, Our Champion Will Fight For Us, okay? And I want you to know that the enemy is defeated, all right? Confess, pray with one another, bless one another after the service is over. Whenever you choose to dismiss yourself, uh, we'll meet you back in the Welcome Center.